Thursday finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And before we get on to currencies and commodities today, Stephen, Stephen Pritchard, that is, um, banks, we all know we love to hate banks, but sometimes you might get an unexpected windfall. Yeah, I mean, banks banks run various promotional activities from time to time, and you know, you know, and and you need to be a, a look out for those because sometimes they can be they they can be in your advantage and don't really cost you anything. Like, you know, Westpac's got their two hundredth birthday coming up, or, or was established two hundred years this year, and in eighteen seventeen, and and what they're doing is for any any child born this year, if you go into like a Westpac bank, they'll open the account for you for the child and put two hundred dollars in. So, so that's not a bad start for for any any child. And you know, I've never known of a bank giving out free money before, but you know, here there you go. Westpac's giving out uh, two hundred dollars, and and other times there's there's um, free transfer of credit card balances. Now you have to watch that, of course. You know, they they transfer your existing credit card balance to a new credit card, and there's usually a no interest free period, but. What you want to do is, if you take advantage of that, make sure you pay the balance off during the interest-free period because what happens at the end of the interest period, it goes back up to where it was. And, of course, what the, the new bank's hoping for is that you actually don't pay it off and, and they're, they're going to get the advantage of the 18 or 20% or whatever interest rate they're charging on the debt. So, you know, th- there, are, there are offers out there from banks and you have to be a bit smart and work out how you can take work out what what's going to be your what, what's going to be your yeah. advantage obviously what Westpac's trying to do here is is locking a whole generation of new customers uh, so yes. they're giving the two hundred dollars they're hoping yeah we're giving this away and 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 um you know some of these people are going to be customers for life and there's a calculation you can do a call called the life value of a customer or something so no doubt Westpac's done that across their client base and reckon that that you know for each new customer that they're going to retain sufficient customers that are worth more than two hundred dollars, I'd assume. But yeah, you know, that's free two hundred dollars for your child or grandchild. So so I'd, I'd celebrating be celebrating two hundred years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nothing to be sneezed at. Yeah, indeed. In the meantime, how are commodities going? Have they um, popped up as much as that? Oh, no, no. Gold, gold's up a bit. You know, gold's gold's continuing to drift up because of all the uncertainty in the world, particularly you know. What North Korea is doing, and you know, so so gold was up two point three three percent for the week to fifteen hundred ninety five dollars an ounce Australian, and and um, the copper price was up uh, about one percent to seven thousand nine hundred twenty two dollars a ton, and the crude oil price was up two point eight percent to sixty five dollars sixty seven a barrel. So all these prices are in a dollars too. So if you compare the gold price with someone else and they're saying $1,295, it's in US dollars. So you mm. need to make sure you get your currencies correct there. Always. Or compare <laughs> apples with apples. And speaking of currencies, the Australian dollar continues its ascent. I mean, uh, it, it, last night it was uh, 79.6 cents, which is a little bit down on last week, but it was over 80 cents earlier in the week. Mm. So the Australian dollar continues to rise, uh, much to the Reserve Bank's... Um, Chagrin. <laughs> yes, yes. So they're not too happy about that. Mm. Um, and the uh, Great British Pound, we were down 1.2% against the Great British Pound to 60 pence. And we were down 1.5% against the euro to 67.16. So, so while we're, we're down in the last week against the major US countries, the trend, the trend is still continuing to rise. Mm. Um, and of course, what that does, it makes Australian exports more expensive and... and mm. 
But of course, imports become cheaper, and, mm. and people who want to travel overseas are, are marginally better off. So, and of course, you never get that exact figure when you change your money to go overseas, do you? Oh no, no, that, that's what I've said before. You, what you need to do is walk down a, a you know, go to go to Beaumont Street. This isn't an ad for Beaumont Street, but you know, <laughs> where go to a street where all the major banks are, and just go along from the bank. Through bank, if you're going to change something like $10,000 or something, or even $5,000, go, go along bank to bank. And and what you want to know is the number of, if you give them $10,000, how many US dollars you'll get back. Because what will some will say they've got no commission, but that'll be made up in the spread. Some will have a commission, but a lower spread. And the only way you can work all this out without doing a lot of maths, the simple way is, I give you $10,000, how many US dollars or how many British pounds I'm going to get back. And you know, go to a place where they've got all the... all the And, and well, I've found that some of the smaller... Um, institutions will actually give you a better rate. Ah, okay. And I'll tell you for sure, the worst rate you'll get will be at the airport. <laughs> yes, that's always the way, yes. Yeah, yeah. Either end. Yeah. Yes, um, and uh, the stock prices... Um, uh, the All Ordinaries Index was 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 a down point six on the week to five thousand seven hundred ninety four. So there's no real change there. Um, the S and P was two thousand four hundred seventy seven, which is similar to last week. And the Hang Seng was up one point seven to twenty seven thousand six hundred seven. Um, a few local um, locally held stocks. Locally held mm-hmm. stocks. Um, BHP is slowly drifting up point four percent on the week to twenty five dollars seventy five. Um, CBA was uh, $84.23, which is down about 1%. NIB was down about 2% to $5.71. And Telstra, poor Telstra, um, was staying steady at $4.11. I mean, mm. it was only February last year, it was six fifty. So mm. um, at least they're still paying their dividend at the moment. Anyhow, um, the fuel prices, um, uh, the unleaded fuel was $1.05. Point one in Newcastle, a dollar six point nine in Sydney. So Newcastle was down about one and a half cents on the week, and Sydney was down about four cents a litre. Um, and Newcastle, the diesel price was a dollar sixteen point seven, and Sydney was a dollar twenty nine point nine. Now I read something this week that they're going to stop manufacturing diesel cars in Europe by two thousand and forty, which is interesting because there seems to be a big push out here to go to diesel cars. Henry. Stephen, how are you? I'm good. You'll be getting plenty to work with all the reporting seasons starting to occur. Um, yes, there's plenty of uh, plenty of things to look at, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, always an interesting time. Yeah, so the good, results te- time. the good results tend to come out first, of course. Um, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope that's not the case, because so far it has been a little underwhelming. Yeah, so Rio, Rio came out, though. That was all right. It was okay. I, th- I think the problem is that, that, that we've built in a lot of expectation um, and there were a lot of uh, very bullish analysts following the production numbers in the last couple of weeks. So there was an expectation that they would really shoot the lights out, sort of four, over $4 billion. Yeah. Um, they only made sort of 3.9, which is pretty close, but no cigar. Um, there were also some hopes that the dividend might have been um, higher than it was. It was still, I think, a record mm-hmm. interim dividend. Um, at 110 cents US, so it wasn't exactly shabby, but uh, there was some people shooting for 118. So um, and also announced a um, share buyback of a billion dollars, which some people were hoping they would get a special dividend as well. So a bit of disappointment. Stocks down a bit, but iron ore's down a bit as well. 
Um, and of course, we've had um, Suncorp results out this morning as well, which to say they were suboptimal seems to be a bit of a, an understatement. They've, uh, they've really um, been hit hard today. They came in with a profit up 3.6%, which was way below the market, which was going for about 5% growth. So um, not good for Suncorp. Ah, and then Vodafone, Vodafone's managed to halve their loss to only 81 million. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Not bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, 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 they did um, suggest they're making some progress. Um, and uh, things were coming together, but they've probably been saying that for a while. They're mm-hmm. going to spend $2 billion in this year to, to beef up its mobile network. Um, but, of course, you know the mobile space is getting pretty competitive these days, um, to say the least. You've got uh, a lot of people fighting it out for market share, and you've got new players like TPG coming along as well. So, um, so Vodafone certainly have got their work cut out, but they have gone from sort of Vodafone a few years ago to uh, at least yeah. Vodafone now, mm-hmm. and they seem to be getting a little bit of their mojo back, but it is a competitive spot. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard push. I mean, once basically a customer leaves, they're kind of locked into the new person for two years. Well, that's the problem. It's the old churn. I guess yeah. a lot of them like to do these um, these prepaid plans. Yep. And, uh, you know, once, you, once your contract's up, I mean, that's what I have with my phone. After the two years, you can just go to uh, whoever you like. Your phone's unlocked, and away you go. Yep. And then you tend to go to the cheapest provider that has the most data and the, and the most bells and whistles. Um, and usually these guys are backed by somebody big. So, for instance, I'm with Amazim, um, which is actually a, a, an Optus reseller, effectively. Okay. So, um, so they're, they're pretty good, pretty cheap, and uh, they seem to have a really good service, funnily enough. Excellent, and so Yankol is Yankol's got to raise raise some money to pay for its uh, coal acquisitions, and um, the Noble Group's trying to uh, put a spanner in the works because they'll be diluted, no doubt. Yeah, and, and they've they've had there's been a continuing argument with Yankol and Noble for a while about them trying to raise capital to dilute the Noble Group. Yeah, I mean it's it's a big ask. They're raising an awful lot of money. Um, they're going to be raising around sort of three. $3 billion, um, which considering the size of them um, is, is a lot of money. I mean, for those listeners who don't know, Yang Coal is pretty much backed by the Chinese government. Um, so, um, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are already putting their hand up for, the, for funding it um, with, uh, with this massive rights issue. But it's certainly, uh, you know, from an ASX stock perspective and listing, it hasn't exactly been, uh, been wonderful for the share price. So, um, uh, it, it is a big ask, but I guess they're going to become Australia, you know, one of Australia's biggest coal uh, producers. Um, you know, and the stock's down to 24 cents. It has been around 39 cents. So you know, for those people that are in the stock, which aren't very many, to be honest, because it is mainly true, backed yeah. by uh, the Chinese uh, state and uh, government. And, of course, they've done this deal with Glencore as well. But uh, it's not really one we, we play in, only because there's such a, a big shareholder base. Uh, overseas. Yeah, and then we, I, I know they're not listed, but but David Jones has now decided to go into a, a food offering, which they did before, which didn't work, but they're yeah. they're, they're doing it again now. So yeah, I think it worked for the consumer. It worked for the consumer. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think it worked for the owner. I, um, I saw some stuff on the TV about uh, about this and you know this massive. Uh, new sort of food offering they've, they're opening in Bondi and how ritzy it's going to be and, yeah. this. And, and, the, and the lady that was talking about it, she was obviously massively highly paid and massively overpaid because you know the prices she was talking for some things were just ridiculous you know there's, there's, you know, there's a very small subset 
this game, but uh, I, guess, I guess it gives them some cachet. Um, and super, well, not supermarkets, but department stores generally are struggling. You've only got to look at Maya. Um, David Jones has been struggling as well. They're struggling to stay relevant. So um, they have to become a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to become somewhere that people go. Uh, this is uh, certainly happening in the U.S. where shopping malls are, um, are seeing foot traffic decrease. So they're having to kind of reinvent themselves as a destination where you can go and eat and be entertained and shop and all this sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, David Jones very much going down this track on the destination side. I suspect it will be good for consumers. Um, it's not listed here anymore, David Jones, anyway. It'll probably be not so good for, for David Jones, but um, it will be expensive and they need to see uh, a lot of people, I guess, to, uh, to be using it. But it does, I guess, keep them relevant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we might, we might just come back in a minute and talk about Amazon. Oh, why not? Why not? <laughs> and they're becoming relevant? They're becoming. I've got you on the webcam, actually, Stephen, so I can see you. Oh no! And um, because one of the reasons David Jones might be doing this is is because the expected arrival of Amazon. Mm. Um, but but one of the analysts, I think at UBS, has come out and said they only expect them to grab two percent of retail sales after five years. Yeah, well, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, do they? No, no. no. Uh, um, Amazon are coming. They are coming. How successful they will be remains to be seen, but they did announce this morning that they are um, starting their Australian Fulfillment Centre in Melbourne, in Dandenong South, um, and it's going to create hundreds of jobs, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, lots, seems lots of lifting and moving jobs with uh, people having to walk and stand for uh, 10 to 12 hours a day lifting 16-kilogram uh, packages to uh, fulfil all those punters that will be buying stuff. So um, it remains to be seen just how successful they are. Um, there's a lot of fear and loathing in the market, of course, on Amazon and how successful it will be and how much of an impact it will have on Australian retail, but certainly it will. Um, it's a very different market to the US. It's a very different market to the UK. Um, we are so much more, I guess. Uh, we're a lot smaller for a start, and we're more sort of spread out, I guess. So um, we'll see how successful they are. Let's face it, you can, you can still buy stuff on Amazon now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's GST-free. And the Australian dollar is eighty cents. Mm-hmm. So how good is that? That's right. You should, everyone should be out there buying all their stuff on Amazon. You can buy another pair of shoes there, even. I, I, my shoes arrived the other day, actually. Oh, well, they, do they fit? They they actually do, and they're quite comfy. I Excellent. didn't buy them from Amazon, but they they're, they're actually relatively comfy. Excellent. Mm. Okay, so ResMed ResMed sales reached TBM, TB, but they're a bit concerned about the rising A dollar. Um, they're not alone. Um, the RBA is a bit concerned, um, but ResMed certainly were concerned, uh, are concerned. They've had some uh, some issues uh, with mask sales, which they seem to have fixed up, um, and they've had some other issues in terms of uh, increased competition and marketing expenses. So um, the, the sleep apnea machine is kind of uh, it's it's a fantastic narrative. Um, and you know, I was recently uh, well, this week I was up on the Gold Coast presenting at an AIA conference. And a lot of people talked about narratives and that stocks have, you know, there's, there's this story around them. There's themes like healthcare and aging populations and, and people getting fatter and so needing a sleep apnea machine, etc. Um, but the, the problem is that it is a growth opportunity, which means there's a lot more competition in there. So, you know, the ResMed do have more competition now with people like uh, Fisher and Paykel um, and various others, uh, even some, uh, you know, Kickstarter projects with uh, these sorts of machines. So it's... Um, it's an increasingly 
competitive space, which although ResMed are one of the market leaders and arguably the market leader, um, they're not alone anymore. It's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not um, it's not an easy business as it, as it used to be, I guess. Bigger market, but more competition. And we might just talk about surf stitch. Um, so some of the some of the shareholders are pushing the the board, the current board, to pursue the former directors and executives over its collapse. Yeah, and it's well, going to be a hard push. That I suggest. I suggest that will be a hard push as well. I mean, I, I, I find the whole surf stitch story quite quite extraordinary, really. Um, it started in a little shop in Mona Vale, very close to where I live, and it was just a normal retail stop, uh, shop with a, with a biggish warehouse in, in Mona Vale on the northern beaches of Sydney, uh, where they were doing online stuff from. And then it just got absolutely huge. And it still had the little surf shop in, in Mona Vale, and I couldn't really ever get my head around uh, the big money that these guys were, uh, were supposedly making and um, the big market cap. So, you know, for me, it was always one that was destined to end in tears. Um, and it does look like it's, there's, you know, there's lots of um, lawyers, I'd imagine, that's going to make a lot of money out of this, um, trying to claw back some of the, the, the $500 million of, uh, of market cap that, that the company ripped up. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, as, a, as an avid online consumer, I tend to get lots of uh, emails almost daily from Surfstitch with yet another offer. And they're forever, they seem to be forever discount. They've got a massive, massive range of stuff. Uh, and uh, they sell it very cheaply. But I'm not sure um, a big range and cheap prices has done them much good. And they have ripped up a lot of shareholder money. So, yeah, not, um, not much fun for shareholders or, or for uh, directors, I would imagine, going forward. Okay, so if you want to, if you want to avoid mistakes like this, how, how, how do we find that out, Henry? Um, well, I actually gave a speech on the, at the Gold Coast on how to avoid landmines in the stock market. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we can do that. But uh, probably, uh, as Murphy's Law says, that we won't. But uh, MarcusToday.com.au, you can sign up for a free two-week trial, uh, and you can get all the uh, the latest from us. And of course, at this time of year with reporting season, it's good to keep on top of things as well. Okay, we'll talk to you about next week. Anyway. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Amy. And we're joined by Tracy McNaughton, who's Head of Investment Strategy at UBS Australia. Tracy. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. It's good to have you in. It's even better that you're a graduate of the University of Newcastle in a, in a oh, high yeah. position like that. It's surprising how many people there that you've you run into that are in very senior positions in financial institutions that went here. Well, the, the Uni of Newcastle has bred some fine economists. <laughs> Fine, including you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about lower for longer today. So what 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 do you what do you th- what what do you mean by that? Well, I think you know lower for longer is a term that's been um, thrown around uh, for the last five or so years by economists and and financial planners um, alike. And and basically, what they mean by that is that we are now in this environment where we're experiencing lower economic growth, lower inflation, and and lower interest rates. And it's it's not just an issue for Australia, really. It's it's across. The, the whole of the developed markets where, you know, if you look at average growth over the last 10 years compared to the decade prior to that, we're now experiencing growth that's 50% lower. Interest rates are 87% lower than where they were today. You know, official interest rates in Australia are at 
1.5%. Uh, Ten years ago, they were at six and a quarter percent. So the idea of this lower for longer environment is just that everything is, is lower. The economy is, is slower, inflation, interest rates. So, so, so how, how did we kind of get there? And is this, a, is this a good or a bad thing, do you think? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's good. People are feeling quite frustrated that, mm-hmm. that, you know, the economy is not growing faster and that particularly savers, you know, they're being very impacted by uh, low interest rates. Now, I, I, there's a few reasons for why we're in this environment. Um, one of them in particular is the structural issue, and that is ageing demographics. Um, you know, people are very important for economic growth. People consume, people um, at work and pay tax, they invest, they buy houses. So, you know, that population is a, a critical ingredient to, uh, to economic growth. And when that starts to decline, then that puts downward pressure on, on growth. And it's quite interesting at the moment um, that, uh, you know, you've got 97% of the world's population currently living in uh, countries where the fertility rate is falling, 97%. So it's a, it's a big issue. It, the, the biggest issue is, um, is for Japan, actually. Japan's economy um, is, uh, is the first to face a shrinking population. Uh, unfortunately for J- Japan, they're, they're being sort of hit at both ends where they have the lowest fertility rate in the G20, but they also have the highest longevity rate, um, which means that um, there is a shrinking pool of workers available to fund a growing pool of retirees, and that's an issue for a government because that, uh, that means governments have got to step in and, and start funding this. And then that's an issue for the current generation of taxpayers, I imagine. That's right. That's yeah. right. So uh, you know, I mean, in in Japan um, at the moment, their the size of, of their government debt is, uh, believe it or not, it's it's one quadrillion yen. Right. Um, now I had to look up what a what one quadrillion was. Actually, it's it's a one with fifteen zeros. Yes. After it, it's a it's a it's huge a number, number, but it's a big number, and and. Um, but more than that, they're, um, they're now paying interest on that debt uh, to the tune of about $3,500 US every single second. So, so you can see how ageing populations cause higher government debt, which then means the governments really are growing to just pay the interest in mm-hmm. Japan's case. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is this is all flowing on from the financial markets to the political landscape. And and, and you spoke to me earlier about how, how that explains some of the change of politics that's happening in Australia. You thought? Well, that's right because <clears> the um, you know particularly since the GFC, the response from the authorities right around the world to to try and get us out of the quagmire that we we're in after the GFC was to cut interest rates. They use monetary policy to cut interest rates. And the theory there was that if we, if we cut interest rates and, and um, if central banks begin to buy up assets, that puts upward pressure on asset prices and makes people feel wealthier. And so then they go out and they spend that wealth and, and it creates a self-sustaining recovery. That was the theory. Yep. And, and so, you know, central banks did this in big measure. It was unprecedented. We had, you know, um, 690 interest rate cuts around the world in the last 10 years. 
Um, but unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, we're currently experiencing, in many developed economies, the weakest economic recovery since World War II. So there's a problem here. You know, despite the, the massive amount of stimulus, um, economies are, are not really growing. And, and so I think part of the answer to, to this is the rise in inequality because not everybody owns equities and not everybody owns a house. Yep. And so, so there's going to be parts of the population that are being left behind by the answer that the authorities gave for the, the GFC. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an increase in, in inequality. The U.S. currently has the fourth highest level of inequality in the OECD behind countries like Turkey and, uh, and Mexico. Australia, uh, I know this is, is quite topical at the moment uh, in the media, you know, batting back and forth between the coalition and the Labor Party, but Australia has seen uh, an increase in income inequality we now have the highest level of inequality in 75 years yeah, in I mean, Australia. You've only got to, when I was over in the US at Christmas, you've only got to walk the streets of the major cities. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, in Los Angeles, there's whole blocks of people just sleeping on the streets. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, and that's right. And I, so I, I don't know how a government can deny that there hasn't been this, this increase in, in inequality, particularly when you see that, you know, on the one hand, weakest recovery since... World War II, low economic growth. On the other hand, Lamborghini sales have doubled in the last five years. Mm, well, I so, so something is not right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so the problem for the politicians is that um, inequality breeds populism. Yep. And that's what we've seen with, uh, with Trump in, in the U.S., um, and in fact, we're also seeing it in Australia, where we've seen in the last election, actually, um, the biggest vote for minority parties on record in Australia, you know, 20, 23%, which is, is unprecedented in Australia. Um, so I can understand why people are voting for the minority parties, but the issue that that then causes is that it, it causes a decline in government effectiveness, because then a government has to form a coalition, right? And, and that means that they need to form uh, a policy to meet the needs of this, these disparate groups of, of minor, minority parties who have their own views and their own policies, but it's very difficult to get a, a common ground to drive through economic reform and labour market reform. You know, in Europe at the moment, there is just one country that has a majority government and that's Malta. Every other country in the EU has a coalition, and coalition governments um, uh, and minority governments um, means that it's difficult then to, um, to, to feed through economic reform. You get myopic or short-term policymaking. It's, it's extremely difficult. You know, you think about Australia, the last time really that we had some serious tax reform was in the year 2000 with the introduction of the GST. Um, you know, we had the Ken Henry Review on tax reform. That was way back in 2010, now seven years ago, and we really haven't seen too much uh, reform since then. So it's kind of ironic that, um, that just as, as we're starting to realise that relying on lower interest rates is not enough, we do need governments to step in, they're now 
you know, less effective in being able to do anything about it. So what can, what can investors do about this? Well, I think, um, you know, there is reason to be optimistic. We are starting to see right around the world governments step in with more expansionary fiscal policies. It's, it might not necessarily be the, the, the good economic reform that we need, but they are, rather than tightening up on budgets, they're now starting to let loose a little bit. And so we're seeing a big increase in infrastructure spending. You know, you, you take a ride through Sydney and, and you just see the number of, of new roads and rail being built. Um, so that's a positive. Um, and so I think what, what we're going to see is, is a slow escape out of this lower for longer environment as governments try to, to, to expand fiscal policy and use another tool rather than just relying on monetary policy to, to try and address the, um, the inequality. And I think the fact that we're talking about inequality now is, is, is fantastic because it means that it, it's a problem that's now been made aware and, and hopefully something can be done about it. You know, I think governments are starting to look at, at ways of addressing those people who have, um, who, who have been displaced by, um, uh, you know, by slowdown in manufacturing or, or whatever. These are policies that really need to, uh, to come to the fore. For, for investors, yeah, I think it's, um, it's patience. Um, I, I think we are beginning to see the early signs that inflation is now creeping up. We're no longer talking about deflation. It's inflation is moving high. That's a good thing because it means interest rates are slowly rising. That's a good thing. And it means returns in the equity market will start to come through again uh, for investors. Which is good. And, and particularly on people on fixed interest and, and savings. Um, that's, that's right. Uh, we're going to have to leave it here, but we might see if we can get you back in a few weeks and continue on, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem, okay. Steve. That's been good. Okay. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks. Tracy McNaughton, who is the Head of Investment Strategy at UBS Australia. And that is Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. We will be heading for the news and Thursday Finance will be back next Thursday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.